Well, good to be here today. Amen. How many of you love your church? Come on. You know, the, this morning in our discipleship class, we were talking about the church and why the church was created by God and all of that. And I'm just reminded every time I teach that class that it's such a blessing to go to a God-fearing, God-loving family church. And because we are a God-fearing, God-preaching church, today's word is going to slap you. <laughs> it's in 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to read a few verses, sum it up, all up. So 1 Samuel 9, verse 1 through 9. And it says, There was a wealthy, influential man in Kish from the tribe of Benjamin, whose son was Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherah, son of a lot of sons. Okay, verse 2. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. He was a head and shoulder taller than anyone else in the land. And all the ladies said, no, amen, not ooh, just you guys, you guys are. <laughs> and one, help him, Lord. Okay, verse 3, one day Kish donkey, Kish donkey straight away. And he told Saul, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalashar, all this area, and the entire land of Benjamin. But he couldn't find the donkey anywhere. And finally, they entered the region of Zulf, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now, Father will be more worried about us than about those donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives in this town. He is held in high honor, all the people, because everything he says comes true. So let's go find him, and perhaps he can tell us where to go. But we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even food, all our food is gone, and we don't have anything to give him. And well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer that to the man of God, and let's just see what happens. And in those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer. The prophet used to be called a seer. Now look at verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel, the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him to be leader of all the people of Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. And when Samuel saw, saw, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. And in verse 22, we'll finish here. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servants into the hall, placed them at the head of the table, honoring them above 30 special guests. And Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest and the best cut of meat, the piece that had set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought it, the meat to Samuel, he placed it before Saul. And notice what Saul said. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. 
How do you go from losing a donkey to becoming king of Israel? Isn't that amazing? He loses a donkey, comes back a king. God can change your life that way. If I want to preach to you on this subject, God has more. Don't miss it. God has more. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help me to preach. Help us to listen. Change our lives. Apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we preach on this subject, God has more. Don't miss it. I don't know about you, but if you're ever up late at night because you can't sleep and you watch TV, be careful with the infomercials. Amen? How many of you have purchased something from an infomercial QVC before? Anyone? All right, most of you here. See, whenever I see an infomercial like that, I'm convinced it's 100% true. And I need it now. And I can't, and I ask myself, how did I ever live without this product? I mean, I never knew I needed a hose that shrink up when I was done. I never knew I needed a knife that can cut through stone because you never know when you're going to have to cut some rocks in the kitchen. I never realized that I would need super glue that can hold a ton of bricks. I especially never knew I needed a flashlight that in case I ran it over would still work. Don't you hate when you run over your flashlights, church? I never realized that I needed a pair of glasses that I can drive at night because you know how dangerous it is to drive at night and someone flashes their lights at you and you lose control of the car, so you better have these glasses at at night. I never knew about the squatty potty. I never knew we were using the bathroom wrong. And I was looking at all these infomercials. And just when I was about to change the channel, just when I lost interest, just when I was convinced, I don't need this, that announcer would say a famous phrase we all know that gets us to stay engaged, to stay excited and enthusiastic. And here's the phrase. See if you can finish it with me. He says, but wait. But wait. There's more. There's more. So if you buy the knife, you get the squatty party for free. You buy this now, you get this other one for just $20. You can get it for your friends. You can get it for your family. You can get an extra. And it just urges you and it says, wait. There's more. There's more. What if God is looking at your life right now? And he says, if you would just wait, you would see that I have more. See, what happens to us, though, is that we get so bored in life. We get so bored of getting up to the same job, 
with the same problems and the same people, only to go back the same route, to go home to the same old home with the same old kids, the same old spouse, the same old routine. I get up, I work, I eat, I go to the gym, I Netflix, I go to bed. I get up, I work, I eat, come home, Netflix, go to bed. And every day is the same thing. And so many of us, we are in this amazing life journey with God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we get bored. We lose interest. We get tired. And like those infomercials, we we just want to change the channel. We just want something else. That's why today there are so many people that change their jobs. Because they want more. Isn't that what we want? We just want more? I just want more happiness in my life. I just want more money. I just want more success. I want more appreciation. I just want more out of my life. And you're angry because you say, Pastor, I just want more out of my spouse. I want more out of my children. I want more out of my life. And all of us are in this deep search for more. Why is that? It's because embedded within our nature, given by God, was this desire for more. But not more stuff, not more money, not more pleasure, not more house. But we were designed to want more of God. We want more God. But see, somehow we got lost. And instead of us desiring more of God, we say, no, I just want more in my life. And I want more of this and more of that. And so many of us are searching for more. So we're quick to just change the channel and lose interest. That's why I meet people that say, I'm just going to... I need a change in my career because I just need something better. I need more. I'm just going to get divorced and change my spouse because I need to be appreciated more. I'm not getting it here. I just need more. I'm going to change locations because I just need more. I'm going to change relationships because I'm not getting enough. I need more. And all of us are quick to want more and more and more, but it's leaving us more and more discontent. We're a nation with more than anyone in the world. And yet, we have the highest rate of depression and suicide of any country. And more and more people are unhappy now than they were ever. And what's interesting about even if you're married, couples that start off their marriage with nothing last longer when they have more. But couples that start off with more and everything, they tend to not work out. Because we have developed this mindset that I always need more. I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm discontent. And somehow you've convinced yourself in your mind that if I only had more, I would be happy. And then we often, we tell ourselves, is there more to my life? Or is this it? It, Does God have more? Is there more than what I'm seeing right now? 
Is there more I haven't experienced? Is there more that God hasn't given you? Many people wrestle with this question. Does God have more for my life? Or am I just stuck in the same life, in the same job, with the same people, in the same circumstances, in the same church, in the same days, and every day is the same? Or does God have more for my life? The short answer? Yes. God has more. Look at verse 15 and 16, and then 21 and 24. Let's read that again, in case you missed it. Let me give you a background story. This is Saul. Saul was born in Benjamin, as we learned a few weeks ago, the smallest tribe in the middle of nowhere, in the country. In modern terms, Saul was a small town country boy. And you know your country when the biggest problem of your day is the donkey's lost. Where's the donkey? Oh, the donkey got out again, son. Go get him. That was Saul. The, the hillbilly of the Holy Lands. Small town. And the Bible says in verse 15, they'll notice this. The Lord had told Samuel on a previous day, before Saul even met Samuel, God already had a plan. And notice this in verse 16. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be a leader of my people. Do you understand that before Saul became king, he was already anointed to do it? What if God has a special anointing over your life? And he has a hand of favor upon you and you are anointed to do something, to be someone, and God has it all figured out for you. Notice the Bible says, anoint him to be a leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy and I have heard their cry. And notice now in verse 21 through 24, and the Bible says, Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin. I don't deserve this. I'm nobody. I'm, I'm a country boy. I don't, I'm the smallest of the tribe. Notice, Paul said this. He said, I am only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe of Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me this way? Let me explain and pause it there. When Samuel told Saul, God has an anointing over your life and you're going to be king one day and God has more for you and your family and your future and you're going to be something great because God has more. The first response Saul gave him was, not me, stop talking to me that way. Because you don't know who I am. You don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know who my family is. You don't know. And isn't that the attitude some of us get when we believe God has more for you? But you're quick to look at who you are or what you're not. You're quick to remember your background, your family, your failures, your shortcomings. And even then, Saul said to Samuel, why are you talking to me this way? Stop getting my hopes up. I'm just a small town country boy. 
looking for a donkey. Now let's keep reading. Then Samuel brought Saul, his servant, into the hall of the place them at the head of the table, honoring them above 30 special guests. Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the best. Notice, God said, bring Saul the best. Give it to him. The peace that had been what? Come on, say it with me. The peace that had been what? Set aside for the guest of honor. And notice, go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you before you were even invited. When I read that, I said, what a picture of what God's doing in our lives. Does God have more? Yes. And this guy is chasing a donkey. But he has no idea that he's about to sit at the head of the table. And that God had reserved and set aside the best meat. What does that mean? That God will set aside the best of what he has for you. Oh, wait, wait, don't amen yet. Because we love to hear that, don't we? That God will set aside the best of what he has. What, what if God has set aside the best man for your life? You, you, you're listening, Sharon? The best man for your life. Well, what if God has set aside a better job that you're crying for the one you lost? What if God has set aside the best that you've never imagined? And God says this was set aside before you were even invited. So before you even found out what you were capable and anointed of, I have set it aside for you. And I thank God that he looks at my life and says, David, if you only knew, boy, the things I have set aside for you, the things I have set aside for forward, the things I have set aside for your church family, the things I have set aside, I have set aside before you were even born. And we look at this, and I said to myself, I said, God, I want the best that you have for my life. And in the church, we make this mistake. We, we tell people, God has more. God has the best for your life. I know what happened right now. When I said God has set aside the best for your life, you got this Holy Ghost goosebumps in you, right? And you said, yes, pastor. Preach it, pastor. I receive it, pastor. Yes, Lord, give me the best. And that's a mistake. We often tell the church, yes, God has the best for you. God has set aside an anointing for you. The short answer is yes. There's more. The ugly truth, you can miss it. You can miss the best that God has for your life. 
And we don't preach that often in the church anymore. He was anointed, but could have missed it. God set aside the best, but he could have missed it. Saving it for him, but he could have missed it. And yes, God has more for your life. If you're alive today and you have breath in your lungs, God has more today. Don't amen. Because you can miss it. He can surprise you in ways you never imagined. He can set things aside you never thought. If you would have told that small town country boy, one day you're going to be at the head of the table eating with the most powerful, influential people of the land and you're going to be a leader and a ruler, that boy would have said, you are crazy. In fact, that's what he told Samuel. Don't talk to me that way. Why are you saying this? That's not me. But see, God can surprise you. He can put you in positions you never thought you would imagine you'd have. He can put you in places you never thought you'd go. He can bring people into your life you never thought you'd meet and eat with. He can do all things because nothing is impossible for him. And this small town donkey chasing, no good country boy is sitting at the head of the table because that's who God is. That's who God is. And it wasn't because he was talented It wasn't because he was tall and beautiful and handsome. The only reason that boy was sitting at the head of the table and anointed is because God did it. So let us just take a step back and realize that the positions of honor are always given by God and only God and for God. It's not you. But this man is sitting at the head of the table. Can you imagine... Country boy Saul, sitting with the finest of leaders. Let's be, let's be honest. He felt uncomfortable. He didn't know what fork to use. He's sitting with all these dignitary and honorable people, and I know they're all looking at him, saying, what is he doing here? <laughs> Why does it smell like hay all of a sudden? <laughs> Look at him. He's using the wrong fork. <laughs> and then the chef comes out with the best. And all the people are like, wow, look at that choice. Look at that. Wow, that is the best cut of meat. And as the people think that they're going to enjoy it, the cook says, here you go, Saul. The best. Compliments. Of God. And all these people looked at Saul. Wait a minute. Why does he get the best? Wait a minute, he's a nobody and he gets the best? Yes. Because God has the best for you. But you can miss it. In fact, I believe as a pastor, personally, the majority of people in this church have missed out on the best of God. Some of them aren't aren't even here right now. 
because they're choosing to miss out on the best that God has for them. And God has more for their life, but they don't want more of God. Isn't it interesting that as people, we want more from God, but not more of God? And we want God to give us more. And when we say, Lord, I want more, we tend to mean, Lord, I want more of a house. I want more money. I want more pleasure. I want more this, more that. But we really ever, rarely do we really mean, Lord, I just want more of you. And the majority of people miss out on the best of God. And God has the best relationship for you, the best future husband and wife, but you miss it because you're dating a fool. Because you think you're never going to find better. Wait for God's best. God has the best in store for you. And so many people miss it because we get distracted by the world thinking the world has the best. The world has more. The world can give me more. And they don't realize that every time you choose to accept that lie, that out there in the world there is more than God, you realize that right in front of you with God who could give you so much more. Don't miss it. God has more for your life. God has set aside the best like he did for Saul. But as I read this passage, I realized Saul almost missed it. So let me give you four examples of how you can miss the best of God. How many of you need to hear this today? All right, because some of you say, I want the best of God. I want the best from God. I want to be the best husband, live in the best house, go to the best church, raise the best children, have the best job with the best promotion, the best paycheck. And listen, if that's you, you need to listen. Because as Christians, we don't have to live a life of complacency and saying, oh, that's it, this is all God has, this is it. No, as Christians, we are to live with this hope and expectation that God is not done yet, that God has more for your life, that the best is yet to come. Have you ever noticed in the Bible, it only gets better and better and better, and the book of Genesis, it all gets destroyed, and the devil wins, and temptation falls in, and sin comes into the world, but when you read the end and the revelation of God's word in the very last, it said that the king came, returned, and out, spoiler alert, we win. We win. Because with God, the best is yet to come. But I don't want you to miss it. Let me show you how you can miss the best of what God has for your life. Number one, look at verse three with me. Listen closely. This one's going to hurt. One day, Kish, donkey, strayed, straight away. And he told Saul, take a servant with you. Go look for the donkey. That's it. The first thing I want to show you 
is you can't expect God's best if you're not willing to do the mundane. Oh yes, he was anointed to be king, but the first thing that led him to that anointing was a lost donkey that God said, on purpose, I'm going to let this donkey go. Because see, Saul doesn't realize that God had a plan, but that plan started with the most minimal task that he's not going to get an applause for, that he's not going to get recognition for, that he's not going to be popular for. His father woke him up and said, Son, go get the donkey. And who knew such a simple, unimportant, insignificant, humiliating task would lead to his calling? would lead to his anointing, would lead to his destiny. Why? Because God will first test you to see if you can handle his best. And you know how he tests you? By giving you the mundane, the minimal. That's why the Bible is clear in Zechariah 4.10. It says, do not despise. Notice, do not despise these what? Small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You see, when something is small and minimal and mundane, we tend to despise it. We tend to say it's not important. I want the real job. I want the one that's going to get me noticed. I want the one that people are going to see me in. I want to be important. I want the job that gets recognition. And we tend to despise the little and the small things that God has given us the charge of working in. And Saul had no idea that something as minimal as finding a donkey would lead him to his destiny. And what if your destiny and the will of God and the best he has for you is in the path of something you see as mundane? Not good enough. You see, everyone is quick to volunteer and sign up for the, the stage presence. And everyone's, oh, great pastor. Yes, the pastor's great. The, the worship leader's great. The worship band's great because they can see us. But have you ever stopped that just as great are the people that make this church happen? Do you appreciate the verses on the screen? That happens because of the mundane job that Gabby has to do every Sunday and type. Do you appreciate the air conditioning or the lack of, I don't know what's going on up here, but do you appreciate the air conditioning you walk into? That happens because of the mundane task that Maria gets up early and turns it on. Do you appreciate? Do you appreciate coming to a church that's ready for you? Do you appreciate? Do you ever wonder what happens after you leave? Who picks up? Do you appreciate Juan, Cookie, and Nancy that stay and work overtime when they don't have to? Do you appreciate my dad when he's out here working on things that are broken or need fixing or need to be built? Do we appreciate the people that are doing mundane things? 
You see, God has more for your life. But there's always a temptation to despise it. To say, I wish I were more. I wish I were more. But in verse 21, Saul replied and said, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin. See, Saul's problem was he used the word only. I'm just, I'm only a country boy. I'm only from Benjamin. I'm only from a family that's not good. I'm only this, I'm only that. And that's why you'll never experience God's best because you view yourself. When you see the minimal things you're doing, you think you're not enough. I'm only a housewife raising a child. I'm only a teller. I'm only working a desk job. I'm only driving a truck. I'm only working an FPL. I'm only a sign language interpreter. I'm only this. I only take x-rays. I only do this. No, you don't. You do more than that. But you have to embrace the minimal. You have to embrace the mundane. That knowing that God who gives you more will often give you more through the mundane, like chasing a donkey. And if Saul would have had the attitude most people have today, that self-entitlement, that arrogance, that they're important, that boy would have gotten up and say, No, Father, do you know who I am? That's a servant's job. But see, Saul did something amazing. He taught me that when you are humble, you do what needs to be done because your father said so. And Saul was not willing, he was willing to associate with the servant. And so many people today are so arrogant that they can't even have a friendship with someone they feel is beneath them. You don't realize that God has more in the mundane. And I pray that you go to work tomorrow with a new attitude. That it may not seem like an important job, but it's what God has me doing right now, and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Monday, the greatest people in the Bible that we look up to, that we see God do more for, started off Monday. Before Moses led millions out of Egypt, he was herding sheep in the desert. Monday. Before David became king of Israel, the man after God's own heart. You know what he did right after his breakthrough? Everyone says, oh, Goliath was the destiny. Goliath was what opened up the doors for him to be king. That's not true. What led that boy, David, to Goliath? His father told him, son, take this cheese to your brother. And when he listened to his father and took the cheese to his brothers, then he met Goliath. Then he slayed him. Then he got recognition. Then God promoted him. Then he was, became king. Then he ruled Israel. But it all started by delivering cheese. 
He was anointed already. But he was doing the mundane. Elisha, before he was praying, raining down fire and doing miracles, he was plowing a field. Peter, before he got his calling and changed the world and became an evangelist, he was washing a net. Before Ruth met Boaz, got married, had Obed, who had Jesse, who had David, who ultimately had Jesus. She was picking up wheat from a field. Before Jesus started his ministry at 30, he was making furniture with his dad. You get it now? You want God's best for your life? You better be prepared to be low. To do the minimum. We miss out on God's best because we're not willing to do the mundane. We miss out, number two, on God's best. Look at verse 5 and 6. Saul said, finally they entered the region of Zuloth, and Saul said to his servant, let's go home. Let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than the donkeys. But the servant said, I just thought of something. I said, let's go to Samuel. The second reason that so many people miss out on God's best is that we give up. We get tired of the mundane. The Bible says that Saul would chase that donkey for three days. All of the entire region of Benjamin. Just imagine. Ironically, Benjamin is approximately a little bit smaller than Hialeah. Sorry, Hialeah is just a little bit smaller than Benjamin. Can you imagine chasing a donkey for three days all over Hialeah? Would you actually be convinced, yes, yes, the hand of God is on this. Yes, this is God's will. After three days of chasing this donkey in Benjamin, Saul told the servant, that's it. I'm tired. Let's go home. They had no food. They were hungry. They were frustrated. They were worried. They were broke. You might be saying, Pastor, you just described me. And that means you're on the verge of a breakthrough. Because just when he said, let's go home, I'm done with this, it's over, that's when all of a sudden, his servant had an idea. Do you think that was a coincidence or do you believe that was God? See, sometimes when God is up to his best, it feels like life gets worse. And if that's you today, 
It's because God is getting ready to give you the best of what he has. So don't go home yet. Come on, say that to your neighbor. Hey, don't go home yet. But you know why I'm grateful for this passage? Because Saul was tired. He was complaining. He was frustrated. He was like, stupid donkey, where is that? I'm tired. I want to go home already. And let's go home. And he started complaining. I'm hungry. We're tired. We're broke. We have no money. It's over. And that servant said, no, 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 Saul, Saul. I still got some, I, I got some coins here. And, and I know Samuel, Samuel. Let's just go. Come on, Saul. Keep going. You see, some people miss the best of God because they have the wrong friends. You see, when you're tired and frustrated and angry, you know you don't need friends that are just as tired and frustrated as you, and they're going to encourage you, yeah, yeah, it's worth it, yeah, give up, yeah, just go home, just be discouraged. You need some friendships that are going to look at you tired and broke and weary and frustrated, and they're going to say, oh, don't give up now, let's go, let's go, God has more. You need to surround yourself with people that are not going to appeal to your tired. You don't think that servant was tired? He was walking the same three days for the same old dumb donkey. But this one said, no, we still got enough in us to keep going. That's the type of friendships you need. If you have a friend that's only discouraging you and reminding you of how bad things are, get rid of them. And surround yourself with men and women that are going to see you tired, see you discouraged, see you complaining. And then I say, oh yeah, you're right. But listen, let's keep going together. It's not over yet. You almost gave up. Maybe that's you. You're saying there's hardship, there's struggle, there's loss. What if you're so close? Which leads me to the third one. We miss the best of God because we're not willing to do the mundane task. And when the mundane get hard and tiresome, we're quick to go home and quit and give up and say, I'm done. It's over. But people that experience the best of God are those that don't quit and go home. But verse 20, let me challenge you now. He finally meets Saul. The first thing out of Saul's mouth, don't worry about what? Those donkeys that you lost three days ago. They've been found. I'm here to tell you, your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. The focus of all of Israel's hope. The focus. The reason we miss out on God's best is because we keep chasing donkeys. Hey, Pastor, what's a donkey? It's anything that takes the focus away from God. You see, Saul was so caught up in the donkey, he couldn't see what God was doing right in front of him. And Saul had to tell him, Samuel had to tell Saul, 
Stop worrying about the donkey. He's gone. See, I'm convinced that many people miss out on the best that God has because those donkeys represent people. Let me explain. That donkey had a good life. Amen? Hey, the the Bible says that Saul's dad had money. That donkey was living nice. But that donkey didn't care. That donkey still chose to leave. He chose to leave. He just chose it and said, hey, I'm done. That donkey didn't care about Saul's feelings, Saul's life. That donkey didn't care about how it pained the family to go and find him. That donkey did not care about the money that was wasted that Saul had to spend to find the donkey. That donkey did not care why, because people are like that, amen? There are some donkeys in your life, there are some people in your life that have walked out on you. There are some people in your life that selfishly did not care about you and you have wasted your time with, you have wasted your money on, you have wasted your energy, they have you tired, they have you frustrated, but there you go, you're still chasing them. You're still calling them, you're still texting them, you're still looking up their social media, you still want to see who they're with, you're still trying to think about them. Notice that Saul said, Samuel said, listen, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, because all Saul was doing is talking about the donkey. Have you seen the donkey? The donkey left. The donkey left three days ago. I can't believe the donkey left. Why would the donkey do that? Samuel, do you think the donkey loved me? Lord, the donkey. And Samuel said, stop it! Stop with the donkey! You lost them three days ago. See, you missed the best of God because not only do you keep chasing the worthless, you're still stuck in the past. You lost them three days ago, and here you are today. God is getting ready to do more, but you don't even see it because all you keep thinking about is that donkey that I called to leave you. You know how many donkey chasers I see? You're praying for God to give you the best man, but you're dating a donkey? You want God to give you the best marriage, but you act like a donkey to your spouse? Ladies, are you married to a donkey? A stubborn old mule that just complains? Hey, ha, ha, But then you come to church, Lord, I want my marriage to be better. I want to be the best husband. But you're still a donkey of a man. And all the ladies said, Amen. (laughs) Sorry, guys, I had to. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) But how many donkey chasers? Do we have, you know what's sad about this donkey? Not only is he selfish, didn't care, left. Saul says, no, no, listen, stop worrying about the donkey. As for the donkey you lost a long time ago, that dude's fine. Someone else found him. He's back home. He's fine. You know what's sad about donkey chasers? The people you can't seem to let go have already let go of you. 
and they're fine. They're living their life. They're with someone else. They have another family, another woman, another man, and you're the one still checking their Instagram. You are crazy. When God causes your donkey to go, let him go. You tried. He tried. But there came a point that Samuel told Saul, Stop worrying about that donkey. That donkey's fine. Check out the donkey's Instagram. He's there posting. He's fine. He's happy. He's back with his family. You're the one that's miserable, tired, broke, frustrated. But I'm here to tell you, Saul, God has more. But I love him. But I love that donkey. That donkey's the father of my children. That donkey and I grew up together. That donkey raised me. That Listen, do you want God's best or not? Stop chasing donkeys. Stop chasing people that don't want to chase you. That was good. I got to write that down. <laughs> Tweet that someone, please. Let's patent that one. The donkeys represents relationships that are selfish. Stubborn, but you're dumb enough to keep going after. Now, as we close today, I wonder how many of us are missing out on God's best because we complain about the mundane. How many of us are missing out on God's best because when life gets hard, we're ready to go home quit. It's too hard. I'm broke. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Nothing's worked out. We've failed. It's been three days and I haven't found the donkey and and everyone's going to be disappointed. I'm just ready to call it quits. How many of you, God has brought you to this church because he has more for you and he has the best for you set aside, but you're so caught up in a donkey that you can't keep your mind off. You keep trying to help. You keep trying to save. You keep trying. But that donkey doesn't even want you. That donkey's with someone else. But you're the one left alone, broken, miserable, lonely. And God is saying, get your mind off the donkey and put your focus back on me. He said, you are the focus of hope. You know what hope is? Hope is the expectation of something better and something more. Isn't that interesting that Saul heard Samuel tell him your focus is on that donkey but God wants you to focus on something more and that more is God he has more for your life more than you've lost more than you can imagine God is ready he has set it aside you are anointed for it but as long as you keep chasing donkeys and so arrogant you can't do the mundane and you're just tired and giving up and frustrated and weak, you will never experience the best of what God has. And then finally, the last one. You guys ready for this one? The day came. Saul is about to stand in front of millions of people. 
He's about to go out in the public and everyone's going to shout, so, so, so. And he hears the roar of the crowd. He can't believe that this small town country boy that came from no one, that came from nowhere, that lost a donkey, but he is walking in his destiny because that's what God does. He will give you a great loss before he gives you a great destiny. And some of you have lost some things. You have lost your patience. You have lost your relationship. You have lost the job. You have lost this and lost that. But donkeys get lost so your destiny can be found. And there he is. Can you imagine? So. Say it with me. So. So. So everyone's excited. They have the crown ready. The anointing is there. The staff, the people, they're all ready for their king. They can't find him. Nowhere to be found. Almost missed him. 1 Samuel 10, 22 through 24. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him, brought him out, and he stood a head shoulder above everyone else. And Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen. See, God chooses you, chooses who to use, chooses what he wants to do in your life. Let me break it to you easy. You did not choose God, he chose you. And he tells the people, this is the one the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. You don't have to be like everyone else. You just have to be the person God has created you to be. And all the people shouted, long live, I love that, the king. But notice, you almost missed him. Because he was hiding in the baggage. And if, if there's any truth behind this sermon, it's our church. You all have baggage. This should have been called baggage fellowship. It would have been more fitting. The church of baggage. It's true. It's sad. It's sad because when I see a new guest come to church, your pastor says, oh. I wonder what baggage he has. Wonder what baggage she's carrying. Look at that one. What a talk about baggage. Some of you have more baggage than an airport. <laughs> and Saul was hiding. So you will miss out on God's best if you keep holding on to your baggage. What is baggage? Baggage could be your past. Baggage could be your sin. Baggage can be your emotions. Baggage weigh you down, slow you down. And Saul was hiding in the baggage where no one could see him. But isn't it interesting that the Bible says, but God knew where he was. See, you may think that no one sees your baggage. No one can see you in the baggage. Listen, God does. 
And he pointed and says, he's right there. Did you notice that God never disqualified him for that? Why? Because some of you feel God can never use you because of the baggage you carry. But there comes a point you need to let go of the baggage. But I love the fact that the men came together and the Bible says they pulled him up out of the baggage. Why? Because I think that's a picture of what our church looks like. You may be buried in baggage right now, thinking all hope is gone, but our church is there to lift you back up and say, now go and live the life God has set aside for you. Come on, give God praise today. Let's all stand to our feet today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This message is for everyone. There's no one in this church this morning that can say that the Lord did not speak to me today. Because all of you and all of us as a church maybe in the season of the mundane and you're thinking I'm just this I'm only this what I do doesn't matter but God has you there because he's getting ready to do that you might be in a place that you want to give up and say pastor I'm tired of the mundane I'm tired of not seeing progress I'm tired of the same thing every day I just want to go home I just want to call it quits But let me be that friend to you today that's telling you, don't do that. There's more. Keep going. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, the Lord has touched me today because there are donkeys in my life. There are people I have no business dating. There are people I have no business being friends with. There are people I have no business having a relationship with. And I keep chasing them and chasing them and chasing them and it's just getting me to get my focus away from God and I cannot see what God has for me because I keep looking back keep looking at the donkeys that are long gone but I still can't let them go and if you've come to this church today with baggage we're here to pick you up let me pray for you with every head bowed and every head closed today Father open the hearts of the If you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I want more from God. But I need more of God. But I want more. If that's you, you put that hand up today and say, Pastor, I want more. God bless you. I want more. There's more. Believe that. There's more. Say that to yourself. There's more. God has it. There's more. There's more that I'm not seeing. There's more that I'm not experiencing. God has me alive right now because there's more. So be faithful in the small. Don't give up when you're tired. Leave the donkeys behind and surrender the baggage. Before you can have the more from God, You need to get real with yourself and say, do I have that desire to see more of God? Do you pray more? Maybe you need to pray more. Read the Bible. Come to church more. 
Spend time with the Lord more. Read the Bible to your kids more. Be nicer to your spouse more. Stop being a donkey of a spouse more. Maybe I need to stop doing this and be more faithful to God, more faithful as a spouse, more faithful as a Christian. I need to be honest more. I need to do this more. I need more integrity. There's so much more that God wants from you than that you're giving. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this conviction. I thank you, Lord, for this message. And I pray that you would help us to live with the expectation of more. But Father, forgive us in our arrogance and in our pride. We can't do the mundane. Forgive us, Lord, when we get weak and tired and frustrated and we just want to call it quits because life gets too hard. And Father, forgive us for the stubbornness of chasing our own donkeys, the chasing things that are worthless, chasing people that don't matter, and it's just pushing us further and further away from our calling, our anointing, and our destiny. And Lord, I just thank you that no matter how much baggage we have, you have chosen us. And if we can get ourselves up with the help of others, we can walk in our lives, we can walk in our destiny and experience the more you have set us aside for us, the more you have anointed us for. So Father, forgive us for wanting more from you when we do not desire more of you. Break our hearts and renew our minds that more is coming. Don't miss it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come in. Give God some praise today. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I pray you guys were blessed by that message today. That God has more for your life. So today, you're going to be all excited. You're going to come to church. You're going to get home. But you're going to realize you're coming home to a donkey of a spouse. You're going to realize you wake up tomorrow and you're going to have a mundane job. Another mundane day. But have an attitude. That more is coming. Be faithful in the mundane. Be courageous when you're tired. Keep going. Go home, break up with some donkeys. Text them, call them, or delete the number. But there are some donkeys you do have no business trying to be with or help. And thank God for the baggage that you're not alone and that people can help you out. Amen. And I pray as you leave this church today that you grab every volunteer and every person that does a mundane task at this church, would you stop today and say thank you for what you do. As we prepare for our worship now and our giving, I want to thank you all for being here today. It's good to be back. All of our volunteers and everyone had rest this week. And I missed... Wednesday night Bible study, I don't know about you, but Wednesday night Bible study will commence this Wednesday as well as our sign language classes that are free. So make sure you come to this Wednesday as we continue the book of Mark. Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. Bible study, sign language still available at 7, at 7 p.m. So don't miss it, Wednesday night Bible study. Next Sunday, a special message. I may start a new series, I'm not sure, it's been almost a year so I've done a series, but I have something brewing in my heart. But I just pray that you guys will show up next Sunday.
because what we do here in this church matters. And if you're giving today, your tithe and your offering, I want to thank you for your obedience and giving. We make it easy for you guys to give. These are the ways that you can give. You can go to forfellowship.com and just click the button give and give there. If you have any one of these apps, any one of these banks, you can click there and gift using that email as well. You can make out a check to Four Fellowship Church and just drop it off in the back. But I want to thank you all for your faithfulness and giving. Did you guys have a good Sunday today? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. And I pray that you guys have the rest of the afternoon to reflect on this word. And Father, I thank you for the tithes and the offerings that we're about to receive now, Lord, from the people that call this church their home and their family. Father, we thank you for the needs that you've met, the bills you've paid, the finances you've preached. Father, this is an expensive calling that you've anointed us with. And Father, I believe that if you have the anointing over it, you will take care of it. So I pray that you would meet the needs of this church so we can continue to meet the needs of others. And Father, for our personal lives as well, for those that have financial burdens, Father, the best is yet to come. Believe, we worship you now in our giving. We ask that you bless us, protect us the rest of the week till we meet again and come back to your home. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great week, everyone. See you guys Wednesday.